Good morning, Springhouse. Don't you wish you had the energy that Kim has? I know I sure do. <laughs> uh, happy Resurrection Sunday. I, I, didn't, I didn't make a, a, a video in the, for the opening uh, part that uh, the other familiar faces did, because I figured you were going to see my familiar face, and I could just say it to you live. So happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh, I'm pretty excited about what I've got to share today. Would you stand with me? <laughs> yeah, and let's, uh, let's read a passage of Scripture together that is very familiar for most of you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the grace and the love that are in your word. I pray that you would, that the Holy Spirit, he's, he's not bound by any location. I pray that the Holy Spirit would invade every place that is listening, every heart that is listening to this message today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, a few weeks ago, I, I, it was two or three weeks ago, I caught the snatch of, a, of an interview on radio. I was only in the car for about five minutes, and I probably heard two minutes of the interview. Uh, I came in in the middle of it. But they, uh, so I don't, I don't know who was being interviewed, and I don't know why. But I do know that the part that I came in on, they were asking this person about, uh, about their beliefs. They said, well, what, what do you, do you believe in God? What do you uh, what is your religion, I think, may have been the question. I don't remember exactly, and I don't remember the answer verbatim, but I remember the sense of the answer. The sense of the answer was this. No, nah, I, don't, I don't have anything to do with that. What, what kind of God would make his son come and be a sacrifice? That was a pejorative question. <laughs> uh, I think the person already made up their mind, and, and exposed a, a little bit of, of ignorance as well. Uh, but I want to answer it. I want to answer that question today, and, and I, I, I have an answer for it in three parts. And so the, the title of the, of the sermon is, is, What Kind of God Do We Have? I, I, I'm not going to do the pejorative part. I us go, what kind of God is this? Well, first of all, he is a holy God. Now, holy at, at root means pure. We tend to think of, uh, we tend, when we think pure, we tend to think of, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do. Uh, and, you know, I guess, you know, there's something to that. But, uh, but let's kind of set that aside because I, I'm, not necessarily, I'm not necessarily sure that's what that means. When talking about God, pure uh, is a sense of integrity. If something is pure gold, uh, it is pure all the way through. If you, if you were uh, able to walk through it and bump into all of the atoms, you would not find a single one that wasn't gold because it's pure, undefiled. And, and God is holy, and we need him to be. We, we want him to be. Were he, not, were he not, then he could not be trusted. He, he would not be incorruptible. We, we would not be able to count on him to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. To be, I am. Whenever, whenever you have leaders that they're one, day this, one day they're this way and one day they're that way and, and they're here and they're there and you don't know where they're going, 
you got a mess. You got a problem. And if you've got a God who's capricious and, and makes arbitrary decisions, you got a problem. But if you've got a God you can, you can count on, who's pure, who's holy, well, that's what we've got. So here's the problem. He is holy, and we are not. We all sin. The wages of sin is death, not because God will kill you, but because sin will kill you. I, uh, I gave my life to, uh, to Jesus 64 years ago. Okay. Uh, and I had a prodigal period and everything, but for the last 45 years, I've really tried to walk as a disciple of Christ, tried to, tried to walk in his footsteps. And you know what? I sinned. Um, I, I, I know I sinned yesterday. I, I don't know. I probably have today. I just don't know what it was. Uh, because some of the times so when we have sin in our lives, we don't, we don't really always recognize it. In fact, sometimes the sin is the fact that we're so proud about the fact that we didn't sin. But the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then, and then John, in writing to believers, said, says, if anyone says, I don't sin, then they're making God out to be a liar. And his word has no place in, in their lives. And so God created us to be with him. <clears throat> and he dwelt among us before the fall. But, uh, and he intends to dwell among us again. So... What's the problem? Well, the problem is we can't. Uh, and, and it's not that God will be defiled if we come into his presence. We couldn't exist in his presence. Paper can't exist in the midst of fire unless fire decides to become something else. And he can't. And so therefore, therefore, we, we need a savior. We need a savior. And blood is necessary. I, I, I don't totally understand why, but it always has been from the very beginning, from, from, the, from the fall, from Adam and Eve. They sinned, first sin entered into the world, and they went, oh, we'll fix this. We'll, we, we'll get some fig leaves. We'll sew them together. We'll make garments for ourselves. And God goes, that, that won't do it. Something's got to die in your place. And then Cain and Abel come along, and, and it's time to sacrifice. And, and, and Cain brings us beautiful organic garden sacrifice. And Abel brings a blood sacrifice, and God says, that one's acceptable. That one's not. So I, you know, I, I don't know. Life is in the blood, maybe. And not just any blood sacrifice will do, because the sacrifice has to be innocent. Sacrifice has to be has to be perfect. And that makes sense because if the sacrifice were guilty, then the sacrifice would be dying for its own guilt. It's going to die for my guilt. Innocence is required. Animal sacrifice was a temporary solution. God, God had a permanent, perfect solution instead. And now there was a lot of groundwork necessary uh, before the, the perfect sacrifice, before the perfect solution could come. Uh, but it was finally ready through, through Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and then the judges and the kings and, and, and the prophets coming. And finally, the time was at hand 
for the perfect sacrifice to come, and that was, that was God's son. And he sent him because he's not only a holy God, he's also a loving God. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. And God did not make his son come and die. He gave us his son. And giving his son was harder than giving himself would have been. Now, I, I believe in the Trinity, but I, but I don't understand it. I, I don't understand it, but, but I believe in it. And somehow God the Father had to, had to remain holy, and yet God the Son could enter into this defiled world and be the perfect sacrifice. And the, and the Son was willing. He wasn't forced like, 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 like Father, like Son. Not only does God the Father love us, Jesus loves us. In fact, the, the great command that he gave on the night before he went to the cross is, love one another the way I love you, the, the way you have seen me. Love you. And even at the end, he, he could have called it off. Back in John uh, chapter 10, Jesus, Jesus said this. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when they came to arrest Jesus and um, and, and Peter got out his sword and uh, tried to cut off Malchus's head, missed, got his ear. That was all he could do. And, and Jesus healed him. Uh, Jesus said, put your sword away. He said, don't, don't you understand? Don't you think that I can call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Now, that's somewhere between 36,000 and 72,000 angels, if, if you want to get mathematical about it. The Father would do that. The Son had the choice. He wasn't made to do anything. I have three children. And if the, if the decision came down, I mean, if it came down that, I, that either one of my children had to die or I had to die, it would take me that long to make the decision. It's already made. I, I wouldn't even have to. Be, I, I would give my life for them in an instant. And if you have children, you would feel the same way. It's more painful to lose a truly loved one than it is to die yourself. Well, if it stopped there, it would be it would be tragic. But God is not only a, a holy God and a loving God, He's also a powerful God who can raise the dead. That was the, that was the knowledge that enabled Abraham to be willing to sacrifice Isaac. Uh, over in Genesis chapter 22, God said to Abraham, take, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the place that I'll show you and offer him as a sacrifice to me. And Abraham did it, bam, right away. And the next morning he was up, he was on his way. And, and if that's all we knew about it, we'd kind of go, woo, that's, that's kind of strange. But the writer of Hebrews tells us why he was able to do it. So Abraham did this by faith because he reckoned that God can raise the dead. 
And in fact, in a sense, he did receive his son back from the dead. And the fact that he, the fact that God knew that the resurrection was coming did not mean that it hurt any less to see his son suffer and die. Most of you are aware that this last year, I, my wife Margaret went home to be with the Lord. Uh, and I know that she's alive. I, I know it because Jesus said she would be. Jesus said, if anyone believes in me and dies, they'll still live. They, they will be alive. And I know that I will see her again, but it still hurts. Paul says over in 1 Thessalonians, we do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. He does not say we do not grieve. In fact, the implication is we do grieve. We grieve, but we don't grieve the way they grieve. The, the grieving is different. We, ha we have hope, but it's, but it's still painful, and it had to still be painful for God. And I'll tell you what, the, the worst part, I mean, the worst part obviously was losing Margaret, but it wasn't very much fun watching her suffer either. And God not only had to watch his son suffer, but he also... Uh, he, saw, he also had to reach a place where his son felt abandoned. Felt, felt that his father had turned his back on him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, sometimes you do things with your children or you do things for your children or you don't do something for your children because you know you're doing the right thing. Maybe they don't understand it. And it might even reach to the point where they feel abandoned. They feel like, well, my, my, my parent doesn't love me. My parent's abandoning me. My parent, and, and you know they feel that way, but you know you can't cave. Uh, that hurts. And God the Father experienced that. But because he is a powerful God, he did, in fact, raise Jesus from the dead. Now, some might point to the fact, in fact, you know, I've, I've read other times, well, you know, that's a, that's a resurrection myth. The resurrection myth, you know, is uh, scattered throughout many, many cultures. Uh, uh, Osiris, Tammuz, Adonis, Dionysus. What makes Jesus Christ any different? <laughs> Well, uh, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? None of these others were historical. I mean, there's no one walking around claiming that Osiris was a real person or Adonis or Dionysus were real people. No, no one ever gave their life for their testimony. I saw Adonis raised from the dead. Yeah. Yeah, after he was raised from the dead, man, I had a, had a meal with him. Yeah, I, I spent some time with him. No one, no one ever did that. There are many people who did that regarding Jesus, who was a historical character. Historical person. Character is too small a word for God incarnate. And some may, some may say, well, these, these witnesses had ulterior motives. They, uh, uh, 
They, they had an agenda. But what you're, what you're really saying is they died saying this is the truth, knowing this is a lie. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that harder to believe than the resurrection. I mean, really, would you do that? Whatever your agenda may be, would you do that thinking, you know, someday people are going to remember me? Oh, okay, whatever. What kind of God is this? Well, he's a holy God. He's a loving God. He's a powerful God. And Romans 8, 11 says, if the, if, the, if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he'll give life to your mortal body as well. Whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, and some people go, oh yeah, that's, so that's it? Oh, I, I can't believe that. Well, that's your problem. Because it's whoever believes on him. We'll have eternal life. Well, that's too easy. Well, apparently it isn't if you can't do it. Apparently it's not all that easy. But if you do it, you have the promise of eternal life. And the same one who raised Christ from the dead will raise you from the dead. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself, taking on the very form of a servant. And he came and humbled himself even to death on a cross. And therefore, God has exalted Jesus to the highest place. He's given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow, every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, because he is worthy.